Well, uh, Brother Gene has a special song he wants to sing to everybody before I get started. So I'll sit over here while he goes to his mother, actually, because it's her birthday. From the battles that rage in my head You make sense of madness When my sanity hangs by a thread And I lose my way But still you seem to understand Now and forever I will be your man And when I'm not with you Tied up in myself to see I know that you're here Praying for to Sister Hanchi because it is her birthday. Praise the Lord, church. Before we get started, I want everybody to stand up and uh, find someone, shake their hand, tell them welcome to the house of God. May the blessings of God be on you.
We'll pray for you. As you find our way back to your seats, I want to thank Sister Hanchi. Um, I'm not going to disclose how, her age because I don't know it, <laughs> but uh, okay. Sister Hanchi, you don't look a day over 18. <laughs> We thank you very much for everything that you do. There, I don't, I'm seeing more and more, like this is the, almost the fullest I've seen Asian ministry on a, on a Saturday night, and I thank you for that, because without your work, it wouldn't be done. Very soon, very soon, we're not going to have enough room in here because of you. Very soon. <clears throat> um, it's a good thing I didn't preach on forgiveness, which I had... Almost done. Uh, Sister Bryant just did the best job I could have ever done. Uh, uh, real quickly, just on forgiveness, uh, I don't know if any of you saw any of the Democratic debates going on, uh, what was it, last, this last week. Uh, I just watched a few highlights. I didn't watch the whole thing, but it seemed like there wasn't enough buses to throw each other under. <laughs> there was a lot, of, uh, <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of competition going on there, and it doesn't... I don't know. <clears throat> I'm, not, I'm not trying to get political. I just watched a few clips of it. It was hilarious to watch. It, they were just throwing each other under the bus left and right, and it just it was it was it was funny. It was it was actually pretty funny. <clears throat> Tonight, I want to talk about greater is He that is in you. Greater is He that is in you. I'm going to be starting in First John. The, the, uh, the second John in the book, not the Gospel of John, the first John. It's called, it's called First John uh, chapter 4. If you all stand for the reading of the word. First John chapter 4, verse number 4. <clears throat> Year of God. Oh, I don't have any tech support. That's okay. Year of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You may be seated. Sometimes in life we, we go through, and I know I've talked about up here a, a multiple, multiple, multitude of times, but the devil seems to be so big. And... The problems that you run into seem to be so strong, and it seems like the devil is really strongly against you at some point. Um, I know for the first, I don't know, few years of, of, of my marriage, it, it, it was, it, we, we did, we and Amber, we get along great, but there, I mean, there were some times where we didn't know what we were going to do. Not our marriage was rocky, but the things that would come against us were so strong and so powerful, it seemed like we were never going to get ahead of, of where we were. We weren't going to be able to find out the path that we needed to take. <clears throat> but today, I want to talk about 
what we what our answer should be when things like that come up. What our answers uh, ought to be because we have God in us and God is on our side. What we should tell the devil when he decides to try and rear his ugly head. Um, I'm going to be reading out of, the, out of Daniel, out of the book of Daniel. I'm just going to try and go over as quickly as I can over chapters 1, 2, and 3. And the basis of my story is going to be with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And a lot of you know those names. Um, but a lot of you don't, so I want to give a really good, um, I want to give a good backstory on, on, on what made them them and why they answered the way that they did. And I have to start back with, uh, with, with Daniel himself. Uh, the book of Daniel, the beginning of Daniel, is mainly based around Daniel and three other men that were named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were all children of Judah. <clears throat> It says in chapter 1, verse number 1, it says, in the, third reign, or in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, the king of Judah came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. So there was a, a, a it would seem a very quick war between the uh, tribe of Judah and uh, in the, king of Jehoi- the king Jehoiakim and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. Now, when they had taken over, Judah, they decided they were going to integrate them with themselves. They were going to integrate the, the children of God with the children of Babylon. Not like to reproduce, but just to integrate them into their society. And the smartest and uh, most learned of the children of Judah were found to be favored. They, were, they saw that they were very smart and they were very wise in science and in, in astrology and all these different fields. Um, by the king of Babylon. He, he could see that they were very smart and he wanted them to join his little group of smart people over here. I, I'm not sure how quite smart he was. It doesn't talk about that. Um, it just talks about the, the, the children of Judah being smart and him, and him integrating them into the, the prince, uh, I forget his name, uh, of the... Right here it says... Of the, uh, of the eunuchs, I'm sorry, <clears throat> the prince of the eunuchs. So the prince of the eunuchs was in charge of all the people, of all the people that were involved in the science, in astrology, in the sorcery that they were involved in, and all of those things. And so he wanted, so Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to join them and learn from them and also teach them as well. Um, when they were introduced into this, into this group, into the prince of the eunuchs, they had certain names. They, didn't, they weren't known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel was known as Daniel, but they gave him a different name. It says right here in verse number 7 of chapter 1, for he gave unto Daniel the name Balthashazar. That's not Daniel's name. That wasn't Daniel's name that he was given. That was the name they were trying to use for him. Uh, I don't want to try to pronounce and mispronounce the names <laughs> uh, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were given. Um, but they were also, those, the Shadrach and the Meshach and the Bendigo were ga- names that were given to them by the Babylonians. Those aren't their original Hebrew names. Daniel was his original Hebrew name, but that's not what they called him. When they were told, you are going to meet the king, you are going to stand before the king, you are going to be one of the king's advisors when he needs you, they said also that you can't look the way you look. 
we need you to be, uh, in, in layman's terms, we need you to be a little heftier. We need you to, to look more like us because you don't look quite like us. You're kind, of, you're kind of skinny. You're kind of, you know, kind of lanky. You're not really like what we are. So we're going to give you the king's meat. And we're going to give you a king's meal that he's going to provide to you for uh, a certain amount of time before you actually stand before the king and, and, and talk with him. We're going to make you more like us. That sounds quite a bit like what the world tries to do to us. Um, there's many churches out there right now uh, that, that are saying, uh, not, to, not to say we can't, you can't come here. You, Bishop says there's room in the house of God for everybody. Am I right? I'm right. He says there's room in the house of God for everybody. But this book calls out sin. And this book calls out things that the world wants us to conform to as sin that we should not accept. There are churches out there who, I won't go into detail, they accept that sin and they integrate it as a part of their church. They start teaching from their church that living this particular sinful life is okay and that God is okay with you doing it and that you're saved even though you're doing it. And that is wrong. It is not right. Like I said, I won't go into details. We have many, many children here. I don't want to go too far into that. But this sounds a lot like that. This sounds a lot like a place that's trying to make, some, make these changes in these men, and they don't want that change. They know who their God is, and they're not going to conform to the Babylonians in their ways. <clears throat> the world wants you to forget who you are in God, in Christ. Because when we're baptized, when we take on the name of Jesus, we're no longer the person we used to be. We're a new creature, the Bible tells us. We're new in God. We're not like the old anymore, like the world anymore. So they provide these uh, this, this, these rationings to to David or to Daniel and all the Hebrew and all the Hebrews that came there with them. But Daniel has had a little bit of an uh, an enlightenment moment and said, "No, I'm not going to eat the king's meat. I would rather eat." So uh, I think he calls it pulse in here. He asked for pulse and water instead of the king's meat. And the guy who brings the meat and brings the food to them, he kind of gets a little nervous. He starts thinking, man, if, the, if these guys, after a couple of weeks, they don't look like us, the king's going to know. And I'm going to get in trouble and I'm probably going to get killed because these guys aren't eating what they're supposed to be eating. And Daniel says, don't worry about that. In 10 days, prove us. See if we start to look like you after 10 days. And so Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego go on what's known as the Daniel fast. They don't eat any of the meat that's given to them. They don't drink any of the wine that's given to them. They, they eat pulse and they drink water for 10 days. And after 10 days, the Bible tells us that they looked even better than the men who were eating the king's meat and who were drinking the king's wine. He looked be- they looked better than those men. They looked like they were healthier than those men. And God rewarded them. God rewarded Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and gave, uh, with wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And He gave Daniel a special gift to be able to understand visions and to interpret dreams. When they were, brought, when they were finally brought to the king, after all of the time they spent that all of the other Hebrews were eating of the king's meat and drinking of the king's wine, they finally made their way before the king. And the Bible says that they were, 
they looked ten times better. At the end of this time, they looked ten times better than everyone else in there. And they stood out. And it was known that they looked better. In chapter 2, we find out that Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. He has a dream that he cannot, number one, remember. And number two, does not know what the dream means. That's kind of a little frustrating. I think we've all been in that place where we wake up and we have a, a dream that we thought was good, but we can't quite remember, but we know we had a good dream. That's what Nebuchadnezzar just went through. He had a dream that he couldn't remember and that he couldn't interpret. So he tells his normal Babylonian magicians and sorcerers, he tells them, hey, I need everyone to come in here because I need you guys to interpret this dream for me. Well, they come to Nebuchadnezzar and they say, oh, sure, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do whatever we can. Tell us the dream. Yeah. <laughs> Nebuchadnezzar says, I don't remember it. I don't know what the dream is. So here's, what, here's how I know you'll tell the truth is when you'll tell me what the dream is and the interpretation. And if you don't, I'm going to kill you and make your house a dung heap. That's what he tells his magicians and sorcerers to figure out his dream. Because he wants to know what his dream is. He's very emphatic about this dream. Well, Daniel wasn't there. And he finds out later on that this is going to happen to all of the magicians, all of the sorcerers, and, all, and, and he's included in that. He's not a magician or a sorcerer, but he finds out that he's included in all these people that are supposed to die if they don't tell the king his dream. So he tells, so he goes and tells, uh, he goes and tells the king his, uh, his dream and his meaning. After a night of prayer, he, he, he asks God, for the sake of us, please God, I pray that you tell me the dream and the interpretation of it so that we may live. Even though all these other men would die, please tell me so that we would live. Everyone ends up living because he tells him. He tells Nebuchadnezzar his dream. It's a dream of the future of Babylon. It's a dream of the, of the future of the kingdom that, that Nebuchadnezzar is a part of. And he, and he breaks it down. Uh, I won't go into it. It will take much too, too much time to go into all of the dream. But he breaks down that the, this, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of a statue and it's made of different types of material. And Daniel interprets it and says, this is what the, this, uh, this material means. This is what this material means. And goes on and goes down the line all the way from head to toe of the statue. And he tells him the future, and Nebuchadnezzar is very pleased with himself. And he's very pleased that he was finally able to understand what the dream was and what it meant. And it says in, in chapter 2, verse 46, this is very peculiar to me, that in chapter 2, verse 46, it says, Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal the secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man and gave him many great gifts and made him a ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested the king that he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat at the gate of the king. So Nebuchadnezzar understands that God, the God of Daniel, interpreted that dream for him. He, under, he, he gets it. He calls him a God of gods and the Lord of kings. He understands. He gets who God is. 
That, that baffles me, and you'll find out why here in just a minute. It, it, it absolutely blows my mind. Um, and you would think that now he understands, like, he, he, like maybe, maybe he won't take on this God of Daniel, but, and he won't maybe make all of his subjects uh, bow to this God of Daniel, but he understands who that God is. <clears throat> In chapter number 3, at the beginning of it, I'm going to go ahead and read through, and as I'm reading through, I'll break it up a little bit, and I'll go back and explain, but, it, it's, but all, of the, all of these scripture pieces are very important to the end result. In chapter number 3, verse 1, it says, Nebuchadnezzar the king made an, an, idol of, an image of gold, whose height was three, cubits, three score cubits, and breadth thereof six cubits. And he made it in, plain of Dura, in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So he makes this huge statue. He makes it of pure gold. Then Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather together the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, treasures. He, he wants everybody that's important to come and see his new statue. He wants everybody that's important to see his new idol that he just made. Then the princes and governors all came in the, in, and were gathered together to dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar, had, the king, had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up. Then an herald cried out loud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages. And languages. So there's more than just that language that can speak that are hearing this message, which are a lot of people. Thou at, that at what time ye should hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the poultry, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music. From now on, whenever it references that, I'm just going to say all of the music. <laughs> all of the music. You fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, the king, has set up. And whoso falleth not down and worship shall be the same hour cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So now we find out that if anybody out of all of these thousands of people that have gathered to see the image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up of himself, if anybody refuses to bow down, they're going to be cast into a fiery furnace, burned alive. Verse number 7, Therefore at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the music, they fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Wherefore at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews they spake, they spake and said unto King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man shall hear the sound of the, of the music and shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worship, worship, worshipeth, that thou shalt be cast to the midst of the fire, burning fiery furnace. Verse number 12. There are certain Jews who came, who thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee they serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do you not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? He brings forth these three men that he knows, that he appointed over the province of Babylon to be rulers over them. He knows these men. He brings them forth and is furious. I don't understand why he's furious. 
He knows who their God is. We just found out at the end of chapter 2 that he calls him the God of gods and the Lord of lords. I guess what he didn't understand was that they serve only that one God. They don't serve any other gods. Now, if it be read in, in verse number 15, now, if ye be ready that at the time ye hear the sound of the music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship it not, ye shall be cast at the same hour in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? So now he's given them a second chance. How gracious of the king to give these men who serve one God a second chance. How gracious of him. And if they don't, they're going to die. Who is, a God? Who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? He thinks very highly of himself. Now that he's got this kingdom thing figured out for the future because Daniel gave him the interpretation of the dream. He, he's like, man, I've got this thing set up for years. I'm, I am good to go. I am the man. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego answered the king and said, O Nebuchadnezzar, O king, we are not careful to answer you in this manner. We're not going to watch our mouth. We're not going to act like we're talking to somebody that's important because we're not. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, if he doesn't save us, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. We're not going to serve any other god king. We are not bowing down to anything that you can put in front of us because we serve one God. And that God is the only God we are going to serve. We're not careful to answer you. How do you answer the question to somebody else? I am not careful to tell anyone else the God that I serve because He has brought me through too much for me not to show anyone else what He's done for me. In verse number 19, Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He went from generous king uh, forgiving king to mad and angry king. <clears throat> I want to pause right here for just a second. Do I have that up there? Hey, go ahead and take that down for just a second. <clears throat> Give me. My lovely wife is afraid of spiders. She is deathly afraid of spiders. Uh, normally, whenever she calls to me to help her with the spider, it has two. Uh, very distinctive uh, uh, descriptions. The spider is always huge. The spider is always huge. And the spider is always coming after her. Those are the kind of spiders that my wife runs into constantly. The ones that are huge and the ones that come after her. So she comes and gets the husband, the man of the house, to go take care of these huge spiders that are Apparently vindictive. <laughs> so me being the good husband that I am, I puff up my chest and I tell, ask her, where's the spider at? I'll go take care of it. So I go in there with my boots on. These are, these are spider stomping boots, in case you didn't know. So I got to go find this very big spider that's trying to attack people now. <clears throat> 
Well, one time I walked into the room where the spider was. I flipped over this towel, and it was a, <laughs> it was a pretty big spider. Um, it was, I think it was a, a, a brown recluse or something like that. It was a very, very large spider. It was bigger than I was expecting, because normally the ones that I run into when my wife crawl, calls for a huge spider, it's not that big. It's usually all the way around. It's probably that bad. <laughs> it's not very big. But this one was actually kind of big. Um, it, was, it was probably about, I don't know, probably that big. It was, it was fairly large. And it reared up when I, pulled that, when I pulled that blanket up. It reared up like this, and it was trying to attack me. It, I mean, it really was. So this time my wife was very accurate in her description of a huge spider that was trying to get her. Very accurate. So what would you do in a situation where you run into a spider that's kind of big, and it looks like it wants to try and get you? With your spider stomping boots. You probably go over there and step on that sucker as hard as you can, right? And then you might even do this a little bit, just to just to make sure. Just to make. Why do we do that? We do that with uh, all kinds of bugs. We do that with wasps, especially. I can't stand wasps. But when I kill one, I make sure I grind it into the dirt. I make sure that I that sucker's not getting up again after I'm done with him. Why do we do that? Why, why do we go through... Su- the spider's not going to live through me hardly doing this to it. I'm doing this and making sure it's dead. It's not, I, could, I could use my thumb and barely push on it and it would die. Why do we go through that such lengths and such strengths <laughs> for men to kill a small insect? Why do we do that? Because we want to make sure that it's dead. We want to overpower it completely. We want to make sure it's not going to get back up and come after me again, right? That's with any bug. We want to make sure that we're not get, that it's, it's never going to get back up. I want to finish verse 14 now. Then Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury, and in the form of his vicious, was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more then it won't to be heated. Verse number 20, And he commanded the most mighty men that, they, that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. What does that sound like? It sounds like he's trying to step on a spider with a lot of force. He wants the fire to be seven times hotter than it's ever been before. He gets the strongest men in his army to get three men. And if I imagine correctly, they're young men. They're not even, they're not Goliath type men. They're David type men. They're, they're Jewish men aren't huge or they're not known for their physical prowess. They're kind of small. But he wants the strongest men in his army to bind these three Jewish boys up. He wants the fire to be as hot as it could ever even imagine to be. In verse number 21, then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Verse number 22, therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound to the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. The fire was so hot. The fire that Nebuchadnezzar wanted was so hot, the men that were throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire were killed by the fire. 
That's how hot this fire was. Verse number 24, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and rose up in haste and spake and said unto the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said, O king, true. Or said unto the king, true, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose. Four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of them, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. They were thrown into a fire that they would have immediately been burned completely from, t- from toe to head. They, he should not have seen their images in the fire. He should not have seen their forms in the fire. The fire was so hot. But not only did he see the three boys, he saw the fourth man in the fire as the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fire, for instance, spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you servants of the Most High God, come forth, come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. The princes, governors, and everyone that was there being gathered together saw these men that whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair singed on their head, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire had passed on them. God completely protected them from the worst that the king had to offer. He asked them before he threw them in there, what God can save you from this? The boys didn't, were not hesitant to answer. They were not careful to answer because they knew their God would deliver them from the fire and knew would be there with them in the fire. The devil is going to try to throw everything he has at you. He will throw the hardest, the worst, the, the, the most intimidating things at you. Do not be careful to answer the devil when you're dealing with him. Do not be careful to tell him who your God is and what your God can do for you. You have your whole entire life to lean on to tell the devil, you tried. You tried here and you tried here and you tried here and you did not prevail. I'm telling you now that you can stand against everything the devil has to offer and, be, and know that you're going to be just fine. Everything's going to work out just fine. You don't have to be careful. Musicians, would you please come? How do we get to that place where we can tell the devil no? How do we get to the place where we can tell the devil, I'm not careful to deal with you. I'm not going to be easy on you, devil. I'm not going to tend to some little feelings that you may have. I'm not going to be careful in telling you that you need to be gone in the name of Jesus. We have to have God in here. We have to have God on the inside. How do we get there? How do we get God on the inside of us to be able to deal with the devil when he tries to throw the worst that life can have to offer at you? We have the instructions. We have the answer to that question. It came in the New Testament after Jesus went and died on a cross for us to shed his blood. That innocent blood that was shed on that cross. We have the answer. We're given to in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. You must repent. You have to repent. We're all sinners in the sight of God. None of us can be... I am am no better than anybody in this room when it comes to what God is looking at. I have innocent blood covering me. And that's what God sees. When you're baptized, after you've repented and you're baptized, 
you have that same innocent blood covering you. And when you receive the Holy Ghost after that, because you are promised the Holy Ghost after you've been baptized, you can get the Holy Ghost right now, today, before anything else happens. And God is, and that's a sign that God is with you and He is in you. And with that change in you, with that Holy Ghost being filled in here, you're able to stand against everything the devil has to offer. This world, after you get the Holy Ghost revelation, after you've received the Holy Ghost, you understand that things in this life don't even matter. That's why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego can stand against the king and say, if he saves us, great. If he doesn't save us, great. It doesn't matter. I'm going to a better place. This world is temporary. This world is not going to last. It's getting close to the end. As Brother Steve preached, it is getting very, very close to the end. You have to repent. You have to be baptized. You have to have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you to be saved. Brother Robert, would you please come up here, please? And uh, my brother over here with the, with the sprained ankle, why don't you come up here, please? Right there at the end. Yeah, you. Come on. Right here. My brother right here, he said he has a sprained ankle. Why don't you come right up here, bud? Stay right here. Stay right there. Stay right there. Brother Robert, why don't you tell everybody what you're going through on Monday? I'm going to probably have all my teeth pulled, so I want the Lord to use the surgeon's hand to do it right. Well, everyone come forward. We're going to pray. We're going to pray right now. Because I believe that God can heal. Pray, Lord Jesus. 